Welcome to Coming Clean, the podcast dedicated to common sense environmental dialogue, environmental optimism, and real environmental solutions. This show is proudly powered by Orsted. Welcome back to the Coming Clean podcast, and we have a special series of episodes this week. I'm Stephen Perkins, your host, and I'm joined today by a special guest, uh, a friend of the organization, president of the organization, Chris Bernard. Uh, Chris, good to see you. How are you? Good. It's fun to be here. Clearly, my uh, background isn't as great as yours, but uh, it's good to talk. I think most people are listening anyway, so all good. Um, so we want to bring Chris here and also have this special week because, uh, for those of you who pay attention to politics, you know, that the, uh, uh the, the Republican primary, uh, is still going on between Trump, uh, and, and Haley right now. Um, and ACC action has been working to get candidates for president on the record about the environment, uh, in addition to education, the economy but specifically what their approach would be as president to climate, to the environment, to energy. Um, and so we hosted Governor, Governor Doug Burgum, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Governor Chris Nunu on behalf of Ambassador Nikki Haley over the course of the last couple of months. And we did that up in New Hampshire, which of course was the, the first primary state in the country. And so over the next couple of days, we are going to release these discussions that we had with them as podcast episodes. Um, so this is my plug for if you're not already subscribing to the show, do that so you get those episodes as they come out. But I want to bring Chris in uh, as the one who moderated and hosted these discussions to just talk about what we saw, what we learned, anything that was surprising, just running down each of the candidates and then speaking more generally uh, about the state of the Republican field. Um, and so, Chris, I wanted to start off just by asking the why behind all this, right? Why did we decide to reach out to campaigns to get them on the record about the environment in addition to education, uh, education and uh, in the economy? Yeah, I think it's it starts with acknowledging that more and more young people are turning out to vote. They're uh, deciding elections. We saw, for example, how in the 2022 midterms, the second highest ever youth turnout, and they decisively swung um, a lot of those races in favor of Democrats. And so we're seeing young people really emerge as a strong political and electoral force. Um, and when we look at the data, we see that Republicans are losing pretty handily against Democrats when it comes to younger people. Um, and, and part of the reason why ACC exists is to help bring a conservatives pack to the environmental table, to the climate table, because we know that that is an issue that really matters to the next generation. And so really, the, the impetus for this series was, okay, uh, if we know that young people are so important to uh, the future of elections, um, and we know that they care a lot about climate and environmental issues, let's get Republican candidates on the record talking about these issues and pitching their vision of the future to the next generation. Um, and so we partnered with the New Hampshire Young Republicans and the New Hampshire College Republicans uh, to really do that on three issues that matter to the next generation, which were uh, the economy, environment, and education. Um, and really, at the end of the day, it was an opportunity for candidates to speak directly to young Republicans, to young conservatives, pitch their vision of the future, uh, and convince people why they should be voting for them. And this is truly the, the, the first time actually something has happened like that, at least on our 
issue of, of climate change in the environment. Um, and we felt like it was important for people to go on the record and for, uh, for candidates to tell young people why they deserve their vote. And I was going to bring up the historic nature of this. This is the first time, certainly in modern history of the Republican Party, that you have seen uh, these public open discussions about climate change and about the environment. Um, ACC and ACC Action have been around now for you know six, seven years. And this is sort of what we were originally working toward. We're now pushing more on it, but just to have that open discussion is really historic. Um, what do you think that says about the conservative movement and, and, and its you know, embrace of uh, the climate change discussion generally? And, and, and does the fact that we had these discussions make you more optimistic about where we're heading? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a sign of the times. Um, and, and a big reason why ACC exists, like, like we said, is to show that you can care about the environment, you can care about climate change and still be a conservative, still be a, a Republican. Um, and so what we've done since we were founded in 2017 is to reopen that conversation and bring people back to the table. Uh, I think just seeing how, for example, we got the climate question at the first GOP debate back in August and now doing this series with these candidates shows that people are taking it seriously. Uh, they're willing to talk about it. And really, at the end of the day, it's not just about like talking about it, but it's like, how will you also act on it and legislate on it if you were to be elected? And so it truly is historic. We're, we're very proud to, to kind of play our part in it. And I think at the end of the day, you, you candidates realize that they can't win elections without young people at their side. And more and more, the data shows that this is one of the top issues that young people care about. And if we don't find a convincing way to talk to them about it, we're just going to lose their vote. And I think that's something that uh, especially the Democratic Party in the last uh, few years has really, really realized. And they've invested a lot in reaching the next generation. And Republicans are starting to play catch up. So let's go through the candidates. And, and again, Burgum, Ramaswamy, and then uh, Governor Sununu on behalf of Nick Haley. Obviously would have loved to have had all the candidates. Some of them dropped out before they had the, uh, the honor of speaking to us. Um, and then some of them just weren't as keen on participating, but let's go through, uh, the first one. So governor Burgum, who has a really interesting background, right? He's a governor of a Midwest state. Some people, you know, may disagree with the Midwest, uh, naming there, but governor of, uh, of, a, of a heavy agriculture, uh, ranching, uh, state. He, he's a former, uh, entrepreneur, tech entrepreneur, and has created a lot of jobs, uh, in a state before becoming governor. And, and now he, he actually, there are certain uh, things about the environment he really enjoys talking about and gets really kind of wonky on. So, um, you know, tell us about kind of his angle to the climate question uh, and, and the, the major themes that he hit on. Yeah, and I think one, one detail to add is that uh, North Dakota, the state that he represents, is also uh, one of the biggest oil and gas producers in the country. And, yep. and what is really fascinating about that political dynamic is that he also signed uh, one of the most ambitious net zero carbon emissions targets in the country as a Republican governor in a deep red state that is pro oil and gas. I think that that's fascinating, kind of shows where he comes from. North Dakota is also home to the largest investment in the world in carbon capture technology. They're building a, a really cool facility out there. Um, and so that's a lens through which he, he approaches this stuff. To him, it's not about heavy mandates or top-down government regulations. It's about, okay, Clearly, like climate change is real. He acknowledged that. 
so how do we go about solving it? And to him, fundamentally, it's it's a, like as an entrepreneur, it's it's a technological problem. It's an innovation problem. You solve this problem by coming up with more innovation and better technology, not just by forcing people to change their lifestyles or regulating your way out of it. Uh, and he very much embraces that as the conservative way. Uh, and, and when you ask him, like you said, he's very wonky. You ask him, like, what's your plan to do this? He'll like talk for 20 minutes about why carbon capture is like one of the best solutions to the problem. Um, or why like there are serious issues that need to be considered when it comes to the electric vehicle transition or or relying on countries like China for our energy needs, uh, banning LNG exports, like those kinds of things don't work. And he very much emphasizes why they don't and what we should be doing instead. Um, and, and it's quite clear that when you talk to him, he's passionate about changing the narrative um, and re-embracing kind of that conservative spirit of we're going to lead on this issue and not cede it to the left. Yeah. And his fan base in particular happened to be like a very niche fan base, right? But very fired up, especially when he would talk about the environment. And it's also a topic that he would bring up on his own at other campaign events that he had. Um, is there anything, though, from the discussion that, that you can think of that he said that you would push back on? Or is there any sort of differences in opinion between ACC action and, and what Bergham laid out? I'm just curious to get the other side of that. Yeah, I mean, we released a matrix uh, for those of you that, that did see that. The matrix basically showed where the different candidates stand on energy and environmental issues. And Governor Burgum did score the best out of every candidate on that. Uh, so for the most part, I, th I think we do agree with him on quite a bit. I think there are uh, like certain issues of emphasis, maybe. Um, he very much talks about carbon capture and storage, which ACC and ACC Action are very much in favor of. Uh, but there are also other things that we need to be doing, whether it's building out nuclear or cutting down red tape that holds back clean energy projects. The the fact that we also will need wind and solar and hydro and geothermal and all those other clean sources of of energy. Um, I don't think Governor Bergen disagrees with that per se, uh, but because of the nature of the state that he's from, uh, would probably uh, like overemphasize maybe carbon capture a little bit compared to some of those other sources. But at the end of the day, like the matrix suggests, there's a, there's very little daylight between kind of where we stand and how he's governed and how he talks about a lot of these issues. Awesome. So now switching gears to another entrepreneur, but not someone currently in elected office, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, this one, I, I think people, if they were to compare it to the other two discussions we had, it was more of a friendly debate at times than, uh, than a discussion maybe where, where we're agreeing a, a bunch. But also, you know, he, he does surprisingly uh, to many per, uh, come at things with a similar mindset than we do. So talk about his primary angle uh, whenever you're questioning him on the environment. Yeah, I think it's, it's no secret, really, when we look at his campaign, the way he's talked about issues, his social media presence, that um, he was very much intent on uh, going after the, the left and um, exposing uh, what he might seem as, see as uh, corruption or agendas that he feels are disingenuous. And I think uh, what he calls the climate change agenda very much fell into that category. Um, he, we saw that at the first debate when the climate question came up from an ACC member, uh, we saw how he responded saying like the climate change agenda is a hoax. What we need to be doing is we need to frack more, we need to burn more coal, we need to get more oil uh, and do nuclear as well. And that's kind of like his approach to this. 
and he very much uh, is skeptical of the mainstream approach to climate issues and of some of the scientific claims around the issue as well. Uh, he believes that it's not necessarily a given that climate change will be a net negative for the world. Um, and he's, he, he believes that the, the solutions to the issue are often worse than the issue itself. Um, what, what I found really interesting kind of in talking slash debating him um, was how we were able to like disagree on some parts of it. Like, obviously, as an organization, we believe that climate change is a real issue. We need to do something about it. The science is quite clear that there are going to be negative impacts if we don't do something about it. But we could also also at the same time agree that actually conservative solutions, again, rooted in innovation, using nuclear energy, cutting red tape, reducing our reliance on China. Those are the kinds of solutions that are better than the left solutions. And even if you don't really care about climate change as an issue or believe it's real, those are things that are going to be better for the world and better for the environment. Um, and so it was, it was quite interesting that despite disagreeing on some of the scientific elements, we were able to establish common ground on the superiority of conservative solutions. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think there is an important point to be made that, look, if you want to tackle climate change, your solutions cannot be worse than the problem itself. And the solution cannot be impoverishing the world um, and, and telling people what to do uh, and, and denying the right to industrialize to the developing world. Um, I think our approach is much, much better. Yeah, and and it it is just sort of funny how political rhetoric uh, goes sometimes. Because in a campaign context, you have to make a point to stand out, and it feels like his um, opposition to a lot of this stuff was really he wanted to make that point that a lot of uh, climate solutions are misguided or have a worse effect uh, than the problem they wish to solve. But to to me, and I think maybe to many others, it felt like an overcorrection of, okay, we can admit that, but now let's also talk about solutions that we can agree on, um, which is, I, I think that just seemed to be a difficult turn for him to make of now that we've laid our cards out about what's flawed about it, let's turn to what we can work on. Was there anything specific that um, were areas of, of agreement, certain policies, certain approaches that he aligned with us on? Yeah, and, and to quickly go off of your first point there, I think the biggest faux pas that the conservative movement has committed in the last few decades is just because we don't like the solutions of the left to a particular problem doesn't mean we can reject the problem altogether. And yeah. when it comes to climate change, that's very much the trend that we saw. Like, we don't like the Green New Deal, so we're going to reject climate science altogether. That's obviously intellectually dishonest, and it's also like uh, very uninspiring to young people. Um, and so like what we do is say, look, the problem is there. It might not be as extreme as the left says it is, but it definitely exists and we need to solve it. And here are our solutions that are better. I think if you flip the narrative on, the, on, the, on its head like that, it's much more effective. Um, in terms of specific solutions, it, it was interesting to me that when he made his whole climate change, uh, the climate change agenda as a hoax comment at the first debate, he still said like, we need more nuclear energy. You and I both know that nuclear energy is like, our best tool probably in the fight against climate change because it's clean, reliable, um, affordable. Uh, and so, so that was a, an interesting point of, of common ground. Uh, one, one thing that I was, I should say, quite proud of by the end of the conversation, um, he, he said like, look, then we should just be adapting to, to climate change because like, who, who knows if we can actually reduce emissions or like we can be relying on China to reduce their emissions, which might not happen. So we should just adapt to climate change. 
Um, and and it's quite funny because then I then I quipped saying, well, if we have to adapt to it, that implies there's still a problem to adapt to. <laughs> and then swiftly cut out the conversation because I didn't want to open that can of worms. But uh, yeah. it was quite quite interesting, like to to kind of see where he comes from and to try and establish at least a little bit of, little bit of common ground. Certainly. And I, I think within the conservative movement generally, he, he's not necessarily going to go away anytime soon or, or you know, I, th- I think he'll be quite active um, and, and hopefully comes around to, to some of our, our way of thinking even more. So that's good. Um, governor Sununu, who is the governor of New Hampshire, he um, was the surrogate to the Nikki Haley campaign. First of all, tell people uh, who maybe aren't as politically minded uh, or, or, you know, obsessed as we are. What is a campaign surrogate, and why was uh, why was Governor Sununu given the authority to to speak on Nikki Haley's behalf? Yeah, so basically, in in politics, you're a candidate that's very busy going from event to event, and you can't speak at every event all the time because you have a very busy schedule. Um, and the day that we we organized this event happened to be on the day of the Iowa caucuses, and so Ambassador Haley was in Iowa, not in New Hampshire, and she. Uh, asked Governor Sununu, who endorsed her uh, for president, to act on her behalf and speak on her behalf. And so what that basically meant was that anything he said could be construed as a statement uh, by the Nikki Haley campaign, by Nikki Haley herself. Uh, and, and so in, in a very important sense, the, uh, the, the event that we did was with the Nikki Haley campaign uh, and, and everything he said could be construed as her own words as well. Now, he's a, he's a friend uh, of ACC. He spoke at our summit in 2022, probably one of our most popular speakers. I, I think what people like about him is he doesn't speak like a politician. He feels like a real human being, which in politics can be a rare thing. Um, but he's also a great messenger for a lot of the issues that conservatives typically have had an issue communicating on. And I think climate uh, fits into that as well. What were his main points that he made about both the Haley campaign uh, and, and her views on the environment and climate change, but also did he say anything generally about the conservative movement's engagement uh, with climate? Yeah, he, he started by acknowledging that, you know, again, climate change is real. It's something we need to tackle. Um, but he also was quite clear to, to state that the alarmism of the left is unscientific and unhelpful. To the conversation, and I found it interesting that he he definitely kind of leaned into the rebuking the alarmism uh, part of the conversation. Uh, but then, apart from that, he he very much was willing to dive into detail on here's how we should be solving this problem. Uh, New Hampshire has several, several nuclear plants. He's a big pro nuclear guy. So is Ambassador Haley. Uh, he knows that we should not be relying on China for our clean energy future. Um, and not getting our critical minerals from slave labor there and just completely relying on those supply chains. Uh, And he also acknowledged that, look, the world is heading in a clean energy direction and wind and solar and renewable sources of technology are a part of that mix. And uh, he was very willing to embrace that as long as we don't do it in a a top-down government-mandated way. And I I think that was especially interesting because most candidates tend to be a little bit skeptical of saying the words wind and solar which to me seems quite absurd because the polling shows that like wind and solar are actually very popular, even with Republicans. Um, and a lot of those like wind and solar uh, technologies are being built in places like Texas and Iowa and other places across the country that are deeply red. 
Uh, so, so he, he was very much willing to lean into that. Um, and like you said, at the end of the day, he's a, he is an ally of, of ACC actions and believes that this is something the conservative movement cannot afford to stop talking about because we'll lose uh, the entire next generation if we do so. And Ambassador Haley has been uh, has provided good answers on this as well, right? In the first debate, uh, one of our our branch leaders uh, ended up posing that climate question. She was, you know, the, the person to speak up and answer that recently in a CN, uh, CNN town hall. Uh, one of our leaders uh, once again asked uh, a question, and she provided a good answer to it. Um, what is just your general take on now that it is down to to Trump and Haley in the Republican primary? Uh, your take on how she is messaging on the environment. She also often focuses on, she's, she'll say, look, we all want clean air, clean water for our children to inherit uh, a healthier planet. Um, do you think there's any areas that she needs to go further on in her messaging? Look, I think it's a, a, a little bit of a different situation now uh, when you're in a 1v1 race with a former president who's very popular with the base compared to talking about these issues on uh, a debate stage with eight other candidates. We know that New Hampshire was a really important state for her to do well in. And part of the reason why she did do well in because uh, independents could vote there and, and there were even like some Democrats that, that voted and for the most part voted for her. And so she, she catered in some sense to that audience, um, like in, in, in some of her answers on issues um, that maybe made her less popular with the base. Uh, I think what she is doing right now is to show that actually she can be a, a good conservative like, nominee for the Republican Party. Um, and that includes uh, like every issue from the economy to the border to energy issues. Um, so it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me if there were a little less talk about climate as an issue, um, but more about the importance of energy independence. I think that there's still a lane where she can come across as really competent by talking in more depth about how nuclear energy can help revitalize parts of the country, how we can reduce our reliance on Chinese supply chains for uh, the energy uh, solutions of the future, uh, the jobs that this can create. Um, like I think there are so many messages where if you, if you were to lean in a little, with a little bit of depth and expertise, you come across as very competent to voters um, and that you're th taking these issues seriously, even while understanding that, look, it's, it's a Republican primary and just talking about climate all the time is probably not going to be your most effective strategy. Um, but at the same time, understanding that there's ways to weave it in that keep you popular with independents and young voters that you need to win in a general election. Yeah, definitely a, a tricky thing to maneuver. But, uh, you know, we're, we're at the point now where it's Trump and Haley and they're going to battle it out for nomination. We won't get too deep into that because that's not what this show is about. But I do want to talk about, we focus a lot on national politics, or we have, you know, in discussing these candidates for president, but also our values and our beliefs are just as applicable on a more local level. And so as you look across the country for the hundreds, thousands of elections going on this year, what do you think, what opportunities exist for Republicans up and down the ballot? Uh, in this election to engage productively on climate and environmental issues? Yeah, I mean, we're in a very interesting place um, because it looks likely that Republicans will take the Senate in, in Congress, but then lose the House. And so that shifts some of the dynamic of power there. Um, one of our key allies, Congressman John Curtis, uh, 
He's a House member, founded the Conservative Climate Caucus, um, we've been working with for years, announced that he's running for Senator Romney's uh, seat when the senator retires at the end of this year. Um, and so Curtis could be a really crucial ally in this in a Republican-controlled Senate to advance um, kind of conservative environmental and climate priorities. And, and he'll also not have to deal with an election every two years anymore. He'll be there for at least six years, uh, which gives you more runway to obviously work on, on policy issues in a little bit more depth. Um, that being said, there might be an interesting replacement for him from Utah. Um, we are seeing uh, the Conservative Climate Caucus, for example, had, uh, I think it was five or six new vice chairs elected uh, from across the country. So we're showing that the leadership there isn't just concentrated in John Curtis, but is being diversified a little bit across other leaders with different issues and constituencies and geographies. Um, so that's really, really important. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, Republicans are going to need to hold on to some of those swing districts in places like New York, in Nebraska, Iowa, uh, California. Like It's really important that if they want to keep the majority, they win in those places. And winning in those places means talking about issues that matter to swing voters. And climate is probably in, in the top few issues there. Um, so it's just really important for the party as a whole to be amenable to that because they have to understand that not doing so is a uh, death blow to the electoral chances uh, of the party as a whole and the ability to maintain the majority. And, and we will not go into the depths of what a, uh, a, a Trump or Haley versus Biden matchup looks like. That's maybe for another time. Uh, but it will be an interesting election year. And I feel like we've been saying that for the past many elections, election years. So we'll see. Um, what are ways, we always like to give people a way to engage, call to action at the end. What are ways that people can stay involved and educated throughout this year uh, for things that are happening within elections? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that if you care, especially about kind of environmental energy, climate issues, keep following ACC. Um, and I'm sure there's there's the ways that you know through this podcast to, to follow us and, and get involved on our website and whatnot. But Becoming a member really is the best way to be uh, engaged there. Uh, other than that, your voice matters. It needs to be heard. Every vote matters. Uh, so I would encourage you to, if you aren't registered to vote, go register to vote. Uh, find out the place nearest to you where you can vote. And also, it's we're in a really important time of politics where uh, primaries matter uh, almost as much as general elections. And so if you are interested in supporting a candidate in a primary, you should definitely turn out the vote because... A lot fewer people turn out the vote in those, and so your voice is actually heard even more loudly. Um, so definitely encourage people to do that as well. Yeah, and if you don't know when your primary election is, just open Instagram. They like to bug you every week about figuring out election information. So uh, ACC Action will definitely be involved this year. Encourage y'all to follow both ACC and ACC Action. Um, also, as we release these episodes over the next couple of days, make sure the best way to, to make sure you see them is to subscribe to Coming Clean on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you enjoy them, leave a review. We'd love to read those. Um, so we will be back tomorrow with the first in our candidate series from New Hampshire, featuring Governor Sununu on behalf of Ambassador Nikki Haley. Until then, we'll see you then. Thanks, Chris, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And before we jump, the Coming Clean podcast is grateful to be powered by Orsted, a wonderful company strengthening America's energy security with reliable and domestic clean energy. 
Through its integrated renewable energy solutions, Orsted is creating American jobs, investing in American communities, and driving American innovation, all while preserving our country's natural habitats. A clean energy future truly connects us all, and Orsted is helping lead the charge. To learn more, visit us.orsted.com.